What is going on everyone? This is Miles Dompierre and welcome to the 89th episode of Xbox Chatterdays. The second to last episode of 2022. I'm stoked to be joined once again by the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Samuel Tolbert. Sam, how you doing on this fine Saturday, my man? Hey, you know what? I'm tr trying to help close 2022 out on a good note. You we, know, it's it's been it's been a little rough. We had some ups, we've had some downs, good times, not so good times, but like we're here, we're gonna talk about some fun stuff. I think that's great. I think exactly. that's a good note for the year. Exactly. It's been a roller coaster. Extreme highs, some extreme lows. Uh, we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna have a lot of fun. We have a lot of great things to dive into today. We're gonna be talking about obviously the big rumor right now is the Xbox Direct question mark coming in January 2022 question mark. We're going to be talking about Xbox's year in review 2022. We're going to be talking about our backlogs, doing a backlog health check. We're going to be talking about what Souls fans can expect from Armored Core. We're going to be sharing some impressions on High on Life. And we're going to be talking a little bit about Xbox price increases and um, Xbox not showing up at the Game Awards, which have been ongoing conversations in the community but before we get into all of that got to give a huge shout out to everyone who's joining us live on youtube.com slash miles dompierre if you're here having a good time smash that like button share it out let's get this party rocking and sam for the folks joining us live and listening after the fact video on demand or your favorite podcast services let people know who you are and where they can find you yeah, so my name is Samuel Talbert. I'm a freelance writer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Samuel Talbert. It's my name, really simple. Also on Hive at the same place. So there, Hive is back now. So I, I think that's trying to make a comeback. We'll see how that goes. It was down for Not what sure two about. weeks. Busy <laughs> beat. Hey, it's a, it's a couple people. I'm giving I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on some stuff. I want to see the benefit of the doubt. We'll see. Doesn't hurt to have a backup right now with the way Twitter's going. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm a freelance writer, primarily featured over at Windows Central and its immediate sister sites. I'm more Android Central. I've been writing uh, since July 2019 professionally, uh, and that's actually around the same time Miles joined as well. We went through the trenches together, rose through the ranks. We, we've been we've been in the fight for a long time. I've also written some stuff uh, elsewhere. You can find some of my past work on Tech Radar, some guides on Inverse, places like that. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, you are a regular. If For the people who tune into Xbox Chatterdays regular, you hold the record for guest appearances on the show. Oh. So always appreciate having you on. Always appreciate having some good conversations. And we have a lot of good and hev heavier conversations to dive into today. Um, some quick housekeeping before we get into things. Shout out to 1,000 subscribers on the new channel. Let's go. Huge shout out to Mr. Boomstick and all the amazing people who support this channel, support this show. Uh, the new channel has been going for about a month now, and it's been really cool to see people kind of tat, you know, jump on board and support what I'm doing over here. So thank you all so much for, for the support. It's really cool to hit that milestone in a relatively short period of time. And um, huge shout out to all the amazing people who tune into Xbox Chatterdays every single week. Um, it's honestly one of my highlights of the week. So love hanging out with you, love hanging out with the guests, and um, let's get into it. And I want to start with a backlog health check, Sam. Mm. Because as we get towards the end of 2022, um, I'm looking at the games that have come out in 2022 that I've started and have not finished. And that list, Sam, it's um, it's unfortunate. It's, not it's great. It's quite the list, and I'm starting to feel as we get closer and closer to the start of 2023, 
which is absolutely stacked, packed, locked and loaded with games nonstop. Um, I'm worried that I'm never, ever going to catch up on my backlog. So for you and the people tuning in, how is that backlog looking for you? Am I the only one in this situation here? Okay, so I got to admit, this is a little weird. Usually I'm with you. 2021, 2020, any of those past years, I'd be with you. I'd be like, oh man, what on earth is going on? I'm never going to catch up on all these games. This has been a strange year for me, Miles. I actually played most of the games I wanted to play. I, I like. I would say yes. a, a good 80-85% of what I wanted to play this year, I got it done, got it under my belt, whether it was for work or for personal time. Obviously, in our work, there's a lot of overlap, of course. Uh, yeah, no, there's only a couple of games left, and they're all pretty small. So I'm happy about that. Didn't get to everything. Uh, shout out to Norco. I've heard amazing things about Norco. It's Louisiana, Bayou, Southern Gothic mystery stuff. So, like, looks really good. The pixel art looks great. I've heard a couple of uh, good friends I trust say it's a really good story. So I want to play Norco on Game Pass. I've also heard good things about Signalis. Have not played yes. that. Don't even really know anything about it, but I just know it's supposedly really good. Also on Game Pass, I believe. Yep, also so, on Game Pass, baby. Uh, yeah, there you go. And then, of course, uh, last but not least, this is the big one. I'm sorry to disappoint you here, Miles. The big one I didn't get to this year that I wanted to is Metal Hellsinger. I'm sorry. Oh, I, man. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. That's that's the real sin. That's my crime. I am going to play it. It's absolutely going to happen. Also on Game Pass, I'm kind of noticing a pattern here. You know, <laughs> there's, a, there's a common thread emerging. Lots of great stuff there. So those are the three games that I wanted to play from this year, that released this year, that I didn't get to. Uh, but honestly, not that bad, all things considered. Yeah, my problem is I've played most of the games, 95-ish mm. percent of the games I've wanted to play this year. Uh, there's just a, several that I have not finished, unfortunately. Uh. So right now, I'm sitting on Star Ocean, The Divine Force. I'm sitting on a Plague Tale Requiem. I'm sitting on High on Life. Um, Signalis, have installed, have not played it yet. Immortality, have not played it yet. Callisto Protocol, bought it, have not played it yet. There's so many games that have come out in the last month that I haven't played. And it's, I'm going to be taking a week off towards the end of this month. So I'm going to just try to sit down and blast through as many of these games as I possibly can. Because once 2023 hits, it's, it's game over, baby. I, I always tell myself, like, hey, I'll go back to this. You know, once, you know, once I find a slow week, I'll go back to it. And that slow week never comes. So... <laughs> Are there any games you're trying to prioritize finishing before we hit 2023? Anything on that checklist that you want to make sure you get done before we go into the next year? Yeah, so I, we'll see what happens because obviously, as you know, holidays, family, that sort of stuff. It's like, we'll, we'll see what happens. Who knows what could shake out. Um, also, a couple of work projects I'm trying to finish up, even as we're in low power mode. So uh, Windows Central's readers, you know, stay stay on the alert for that. Could be some stuff hitting before the new year that's worth reading. Uh, but I am going to try and prioritize Norco and Metal Hellsinger. I, I would like to get those two done before the end of the year. Definitely. Yeah, thankfully, Metal Hellsinger is short and sweet. You can beat it in yeah. a few hours. And I've heard the same of Norco. I've heard it's like it's like a five or six hour game. It's not like that long. For me, I'm going to try to finish High on Life and a Plague Tale Requiem. Those are the two that I okay. definitely, definitely want to finish because Plague Tale, I'm, I'm I think like 65, 70% of the way through that game. So I don't, oh, have, yeah. I don't have that much left. I just got, keep getting pulled off to multiplayers. Fortnite sucked me back in, you know. Damn you! Dude, dude, they did the same thing to me. They did the same thing to me. I was like, you know what? A lot of my friends I usually play with aren't playing right now. I think I'm good. I'll put Fortnite down. Then they're like, hey, hey, Sam. 
We got the we got Doom God. We got the Doom Slayer, and we got Geralt of Rivia in the same battle pass. I'm like, dude, dang it. same. They put Doom Slayer, and then just to put icing on the cake, they added the Master of Puppets group emote to Fortnite, and I was like, no, um, I don't want to buy V Bucks. Stop. Laser targeted. Tim Sweeney was like, uh-uh. Get get back here, Dompier. Get back here. And yeah, because they sucked me back and they added freaking Ash from Evil Dead last la last month or the month before. So mm -hmm. I hadn't played for a couple months. I was like, oh, I have to get Ash. You know, I got to get in there. And now, yeah, like you said, Doom Slayer, uh, Geralt of Rivia, Master of Puppets. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. Yeah. All right, Epic. Well played. Well played. As we move into 2023, one final question on this topic. What's your backlog resolutions? Is there a game doesn't even have to be recent that has come out that you have deeply regretted skipping or not finishing that you want to go back to and wrap up in the year 2023. Give me a mo just a moment to think about that some more. G give me just a moment here because there's got to be something. Oh, you know what? Actually, it's not the biggest game, but uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits because I picked it up on sale and I never actually got around to playing it. So it's... It, I, I bought it back in 2021. I'm part of the problem. Okay, y'all. Like, it was on sale. What can I say? What can I say? I'm a we, sucker for we, a good deal. No one judge. You, you, you've all done it at some point. Uh, so I do want to... It's not high on the priority list is the problem, right? Like, I really want to play Norco. I really want to play Metal Hellsinger. But at some point, I would like to find time to just knock that out. Because it looks cute. Yeah, that one, that one looked really good. Um, I haven't played that as well. Mine, and people are going to be mad about this one, and I apologize. Uh -oh. Um... Mine's God of War. God of War 2018. Ooh. And, and God of War Ragnarok. God of War 2018, I started. I played for about two hours and dropped. Um, and it wasn't that I didn't like it. I don't have anything negative to say. Again, just got pulled into an, a, some multiplayer stuff. And it just fell on the wayside. And like I said, I do what I always do. I say, all right, I'm going to come back to this. Reinstalled it on my PS5. One of the first things I reinstalled when I got my PS5. I'm like, let's go, baby. God of War 2018, we finally doing this. Still haven't beat it. So... That one, I need to prioritize. I need to take some time and wrap it up so I can dive into Ragnarok. Because I haven't even touched Ragnarok because I haven't finished 2018. So that is my big kind of glaring one that's been staring at me every time I turn on my PS5. is God of War just sitting there on the tiles. Like saying, what's up, Miles? Why haven't you finished this? Sometime this century. Yeah, you Come know, let's, sometime, let's this, sometime this decade. I think I'm, I'm going to do it, guys. I'm going to beat God okay. of War 2018. Hoo, hoo, hoo. <laughs> all right so one thing i forgot to mention in housekeeping is as we are growing and building the channel it's not monetized so we can't do super chats and i know super chats are a big part of the show so if you're watching live there's an alternative i've dropped in the chat here it's a streamlabs link streamlabs.com slash miles slash tip if you want to drop a super chat equivalent um use that link for now as we build up the channel all right, Sam, now we got to talk a lot about Xbox. I mean, obviously, this is Xbox Chatterdays, so we're going to talk about Xbox regardless, but there have been a lot of developments surrounding the Xbox camp in recent weeks, and a lot of these developments, they haven't been good. They haven't been good for the PR side of things. They haven't been good for the community uh, hope and optimism for the future. There's been a lot of, unfortunately, negativity surrounding Xbox, so I want to kind of address some of the bigger things. Because of the Game Awards last week, I skipped last week's episode of Xbox Chatterdays. But a few days before the Game Awards, Xbox put out a statement saying that they're going to be increasing the cost of first-party games from $59.99 to $69.99 for titles like Starfield, 
Redfall, and Forza Motorsport. Um, before we get into the overall cons uh, the overall conversation here, let me read the, the, the exact quote that they dropped regarding this situation. Quote, we've held on price increases until after the holidays so families can enjoy the gift of gaming. Starting in 2023, our new built-for-next-gen full-priced games, including Forza Motorsport, Redfall, and Starfield, will launch at $69.99 US dollars on all platforms. This price reflects the content, scale, and technical complexity of these titles. As with all games developed by our teams at Xbox, they will also be available with Game Pass the same day they launch. So, at this point, we've had some time to sit and reflect on this amount, because I've joked about this before, nobody wants to pay more for anything. Nobody should be excited to pay more for anything. But considering that we've had some time, considering industry trends, Sam, how are you feeling about this official confirmation of Xbox raising first-party game prices? Vindicated. Vindicated. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm I, I got to be a little smug about this. Month. Oh, you're going to be try, smug. Try, you're going to be Mr. Samuel Smug Tolbert. I'll rein it in a little. I'll rein it in a hair. But Miles, you and I have talked about this before. We talked about this on Chatterdays a couple we dozen did? episodes ago. We mentioned and we got so much flack for it. I'm sorry, y'all. It's, <laughs> it, it's the case. We got so much flack. People saying we were crazy. That's not going to happen. That people say Microsoft is going to bring down the prices of Activision games. Call of Duty is going to be sixty dollars again. No, no, no. That no. was never realistic. It, it wasn't like. I appreciate that Microsoft held out as long as they did, okay? I appreciate that they held out a couple of years, and I appreciate that they have shown flexibility. They have yeah. shown a willingness to, like, hey, this isn't a full-price AAA, you know, quadruple-A whatever game. Pentiment can be $20. Yes. Grounded, the full release with the story mode can be $40. Like, that's fine by me. As long as you keep that flexibility, that's okay. Obviously, Game Pass changes the conversation. Obviously, Game Pass makes it so, okay, you don't have to buy every individual game, but if you choose to buy your games, if you want to pick them up on Steam and not use PC Game Pass, that sort of thing, well, yeah, games are more expensive. And big games like Starfield has been in development for how long? Forza Motorsport, Redfall have been in development for how long? Other games, I will not be shocked, Miles, if like Hellblade 2 is $70 as well. Like, we know the work that's been uh, going into that. You know, we know what Ninja Theory is trying to push forward technologically with that. I, I, I'm I, not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, I like the fact that games cost more, but this is reality, y'all. The writing was on the wall. The only surprising thing about this is that they did take this long. This kind of started, these conversations for me started around the, the time that Redfall and Starfield were delayed. Once those yeah. titles were delayed and confirmed to be current gen only, quote, that's when I started thinking to myself, okay, well, it's seeming inevitable that Microsoft is going to go for 70 bucks. They have the buffer of Xbox Game Pass, which, like they've stressed in this, all Xbox Game Studios titles will launch into Xbox Game Pass on day one. Starfield, whether or not you are subscribed to Game Pass, a huge number of people are going to play that. That is a big Bethesda Softworks title. That is a highly anticipated title. People are going to pay $70 and play it. You know, whether they're stoked about paying $70 or not, there's a huge number of people that I have seen being very anti-$70 who are going to buy Starfield day one. Microsoft knows that, and they also know that 
to keep the quality of these games up, they need to have these delays. And I'm glad to see that they're willing to delay something like Starfield and Redfall, considering how light 2022 was for them. But that means that they're going to want to recoup some of that extra development time, a lot of those resources, and that means these games are going to be $70. So again, we have talked about it. You know, I'm not going to run do my victory lap and say I told you so, but yeah, that's that's kind of the reality is that as every other publisher in the space was doing it, and Microsoft couldn't because of the cross, uh, no, sorry, smart delivery. The, 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 the fact of the matter is that because of smart delivery, Microsoft could not charge more for right. their current gen versions. If it came out on Xbox One, they could not charge more because of the marketing and messaging that they put into that. And now that Xbox One is not being supported, which I think if we're all being honest, Microsoft was faster or quicker to drop Xbox One support than a lot of us anticipated, considering that they were messaging continuous Xbox One support going into this generation. I know a lot of people are excited about that because that means better things for the games, better things for the scale, scope, technical prowess of these video games. But uh, we saw PlayStation kind of support previous gen more and Xbox support previous gen less. So we saw this interesting trend and I think that was to get them to the point where they could say, all right, our games are 70 bucks. Now that 2023 is a clean slate, all of our biggest games are going to be current gen only. We've shipped all of our Xbox One versions. Guess what, baby? 70 bucks. 70 bucks a pop. And um, again, it's not something that I, you know, I'm excited about. It's not something that I'm going to boycott in the streets. It's just kind of the unfortunate reality of where we are. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for the quality of the games? And those are valid questions because. Cynically, we can look at companies and say, you're charging more because you want to make more money. And if we're being honest with ourselves, that's a large part of it. They want to make more money. That's the, the goal of a business is, tr is to try to make more money in whatever way you can. And you need to swing that in a way that is beneficial to the customer. And so as the customers, we have to hope that that means the quality, quality of these games is going to be increased and that we're going to be happier I shouldn't say happier. We're going to be happy to justify the $70 price tag. Um, another kind of interesting conversation surrounding the whole price situation is because Microsoft has come out and said that they're increasing the price of games, some people have started to speculate, well, what, the, what does that mean for the rest of the ecosystem? They said they're not going to release the price of consoles for this holiday season. Um, but do you think there's any possibility where moving forward, we see Microsoft increase prices for the console, the hardware or Xbox game pass? I, so game Pass is. I'm going to answer this in reverse. I'm going to tackle game pass first and then the consoles game pass, a price increase is going to come, but like, that's just reality because of inflation. That's just reality because of, Oh, we've got X many subscribers and like X sales of games aren't happening. So to offset that, like, no no offense to anyone, but you're not a genius for saying, well, Game Pass prices are definitely going to go up. Like, yeah, of, of course they will. That's We've reality. seen that's Disney Plus do it rapidly, very, very rapidly. Netflix, like, yeah, that's how it works. I think the question is not if that'll happen, it will. The question is when. This is my personal theory. I'm ecstatic to find out if I'm right or wrong. I think it's going to be in 2024. 
I do not think they will raise Game Pass prices in 2023. I think for 2023, they will say, hey, we raise game prices, but we're going to deliver Starfield. We're going to deliver Redfall, Forza Motorsport, you know, maybe a couple of other games in there, like Hellblade 2 or Avowed, something like that later on, second half of the year. But like, that's what they're going to do. They're going to deliver those games, and then whatever 2024's slate looks like, that's when they're going to say, oh, hey, we've hit X million, you know, Game Pass subscribers or whatever. Now we're going to raise the prices a little bit here. Might even be when they introduce the family plan, because it's in testing right now, but maybe that's when they expand it worldwide mm. to everybody. I could see that playing out. I think that makes sense. Uh, consoles, I do not think they are going to raise prices. I, I do not think they want to raise prices. I think they like the Series S and the Series X being where they are, especially because their chief competitor, you know, Sony, has raised the price of the PS5 everywhere except for the US. Yes. I think Microsoft likes the optics of where they're at. And unless, I mean, nothing is impossible in business. That's why companies are always open-ended on their statements. That's why they're very careful with how they construct <laughs> these statements. But I'll reiterate what I said, I think last time I was on Chatterdays when we talked about this subject. If they raise prices on the Xbox Series X and S, we have bigger issues to worry about because the bottom has fallen out of the economy. It seems like that is pretty much the messaging that they've shared. We are going to hold out on raising prices of consoles until we just can't, is, is basically mm -hmm. what they're saying. And like you said, if it gets to the point where they just cannot, that, yeah, that's a scary place to be because that means there's going to be a lot of things in flux that have significantly impacted logistics of producing these machines and this hardware. And it's not going to be a situation where Microsoft is trying to make more money. It's a situation where Microsoft is trying to break even. And I think that's kind of, again, that has some scarier implications for us and the overall health of the, the global economy. But yes, I will touch on Game Pass first as well, because I do think that it is kind of inevitable that much like video game prices, Xbox Game Pass will increase. What they are going to do, in my eyes, and this is, you know, we'll see if this plays out, but they are going to leverage the fact that Starfield and Redfall and Forza are $70 to make the value proposition of the current price of Xbox Game Pass more enticing. So they're going to say, you know, hey, games are 70 bucks. Games are expensive, y'all. We get it, but we got you, all right? You can just subscribe to Xbox Game Pass for 15 Xbox Game Pass Ultimate for $15 a month and you can play all of our biggest games. And they might even have an infographic that breaks down like we're putting all of these games into Game Pass this year. Here are all of our first party games in Game Pass this year. Here's what it would cost to buy you though. This is how much it would cost to buy those outright and this is how much one year of Xbox Game Pass Ultimate costs. I could see them absolutely leaning into infographics like that as a way to like swing it and soften the blow of the fact that it's more. It's more expensive. And that being said, on the flip side of things, those big games people are going to buy. But I agree that Microsoft is kind of in a growth phase right now. We've seen the metrics for Game Pass, thanks to, you know, some, some you know, data and documents from PlayStation. We can estimate that Game Pass is under 30 million, about 29 million subscribers. And we know that Microsoft has had people's bonuses tied to Xbox Game Pass growth. And we know that they haven't hit the metrics that they want in terms of the bonuses. We don't, you know, they're still growing. They're still doing well. But based on the figures that they threw around for some of these bonus figures, they had lofty goals for Xbox Game Pass growth. But unfortunately, they haven't had those big juggernaut must-play games. And that's just, that's just the reality of Xbox right now. But 
I think 2023 is going to be their their mission statement year, the year where they prove that they can increase the cost of Xbox Game Pass because they're going to try to ship Forza, they're going to try to ship Redfall, they're going to try to ship Starfield, and I'm sure we're going to have one more big holiday game. My guess oh, yeah. right now is Hellblade. I, I think they're going to try to get Hellblade out. I don't know if that's the reality. I don't know if they can. But my, my thought is that Hellblade will be their big holiday, quote-unquote, Game Awards bait game mm -hmm. for, the, for the end of this year. I don't know that that's going to happen. But if they can ship all four of those first party in addition to Minecraft Legends, in addition to the Age of Empires, addition to some other smaller-scale projects, um, that's going to make Xbox Game Pass really enticing. And that's going to justify the subscription price for a lot of players. And if they can have those games hit and land, then going into next year, they can be like, all right, sorry, um, it's more expensive. Five, it's Game Pass Ultimate now is $20 a month or, or whatever they decide that that's going to be. But they need to prove themselves to a lot of people before they can increase that price because they're still trying to win people over. And they still have a, they have a solid attach rate, but they want an, an even higher attach rate. And they're just not quite there. So... What do you think of the overall timing of this announcement? The fact that Microsoft came out on a random, basically a few days before the Game Awards with a random comment that said, hey, by the way, games are more expensive. Sorry. Peace. What do you, what do you think about that timing? I think they just need to get it out before the end of the year is ultimate. I know there were some theories about like, oh, maybe pre-orders are going to go up for a certain game. Like I certainly indulged in that thinking as well. I definitely was like, oh, that, that would make sense. Um, I think it was just a, oh, hey, at some point this year, before the end of the year, we have to make sure we announce this. Like, before 2023. You can't get into 2023 and have these games, you know, get release dates. And we'll talk more about what that looks like, uh, I think, later on in the show. But you can't have, like, oh, hey, by the way, Redfall and Starfield got release dates a month ago. But they're $70. They're not $60. Like, you can't do that. You got you, you got to get the messaging out before you hit the year where the change happens. I think that's the best, fairest way to do it. Yeah, I definitely subscribe to the theory that they were going to announce at least one release date. You know, going into the Game Awards, I thought for sure, for <laughs> sure, we'd get a Redfall release date. And that's my theory was, well, that's why they're announcing this now. We've seen that time and time again where you, you get the bad PR news out ahead of time. So that way, when you announce something, people can just be excited about the game itself. We've already, we've gotten the ugly business about the price increase out of the way. Now let's just talk about Redfall and how cool it is. And so my thought was, okay, that's why they're doing it a couple days before the Game Awards. But that transitions us into our next topic, which is Xbox at the Game Awards. Or should I say Xbox not being at the Game Awards? Yeah. Because that was, that's been a huge conversation. There are people I see on social media who are still very upset and very disappointed by Xbox. So if you didn't follow the, the Game Awards or if you're not up to speed with the situation, the Game Awards, a big industry showcase. A lot of the biggest players in the space all come together. PlayStation, Nintendo, Xbox, a lot of third-party partners. It's, a year, it's the, the show that celebrates the year of gaming. And in the past, Microsoft has presented... Perfect Dark, uh, the Hellblade reveal, even the Xbox Series X reveal. Microsoft has had big showings at the Game Awards the last several years. Several years in a row, Microsoft has gone arguably very hard at the Game Awards. Oh, yeah. And in 2022, a year when they didn't go hard on the first party side, um, they didn't go hard at the Game Awards at all. In fact, all they had at the Game Awards were 
commercials for Xbox Game Pass and um, commercials for the Samsung Cloud app, which featured Ninja, which I have to point out that the ad that they ran at the Game Awards featured Ninja, who the day of the Game Awards got a huge amount of negative PR for being an absolute dick online. So the only thing that Microsoft, one of the two things Microsoft showed had a bunch of negative PR attached to it. So not a strong showing for Microsoft at the Game Awards. I know this has been talked about at length a lot, but again, skip last week. So I do want to touch on it here. Yeah. Um, what were your overall, before we dive into Xbox specifically, what were your overall thoughts on this year's Game Awards as a whole? I think it was very good. I think it was very solid. It didn't have quite the highs that some past years have had for me, but the thing is, it didn't stretch out for an eternity like past years have either. It didn't have those long, oh my god, this is the same commercial four times in a row type moments that we have had in prior years. It may have not had like, oh man, that's Hellblade 2 and the Series X being announced, or that's Alan Wake 2, but it had a lot of good announcements. And yes. so I think it was very good. I think it was very, very solid. Hades 2, heck yeah. I'm, heck I'm yeah. Definitely. Warhammer, uh, you know, 40,000 Space Marine 2 looks awesome. There need to be more Gears clones. I'm still shocked that's the only big one that's out there. I'm, I'm happy that's happening. You know, Armored Core 6. Like, there were some good reveals. So I think it was great. Mm. I, I think it was a very good show. I think it was the best-paced game awards that I've seen so far. I haven't watched yeah. all of them, but I've watched the last five at least. And this, in my opinion, was the best paced, um, the flow of things, especially early on. Dan, like you said, Hades 2, we got the the Dead Cells Castlevania collab. The start of the show Judas. was just... Judas. Yeah. It was just back to back to back. Star Wars. Cameron Monaghan coming out on stage and love you, bro. But I, that that part to me was, you know, I'm sure... No, no shade to the Star Wars fans, but was I the only one who thought that was a little bit dorky? To have Cameron Monaghan say, may the force be with you after wielding a lightsaber on stage. Let him live, man. Let him live. <laughs> okay. Let well, him like, live. Again, I know <laughs> I was there. I was there in the crowd and the crowd was going wild. So obviously people were excited about it. Sure. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought the show was incredibly solid. We did get some big reveals from PlayStation. We got Death Stranding 2, which was really cool to see. We got a new weird kind of Bayonetta spinoff, which in my opinion looks beautiful. Um, and then we got to see PlayStation come out on stage and accept awards. And we got to see Nintendo come out on stage and accept awards. Um, so it was a good industry event for a lot, of, a lot of companies. But Microsoft wasn't really there in a lot of ways. And that was really disappointing. Obviously, Phil Spencer, Sarah Bond, a lot of Xbox was physically there. A lot of the Xbox team was physically at the Game Awards. But they didn't have much to show. So how do you feel about Xbox's decision to skip, basically skip the show. They made a conscious decision to skip the show this year. It's not the call I would have made, is what I will say. Um, obviously, okay, so on the award side, there's nothing they can do about that. Like, that's not, they, they weren't nominated, and yet again, their games run afoul of, well, technically it was eligible, like Pentiment, but also not really, and... Mm -hmm. I, I, feel, I personally feel Pentiment should have been up there. I think Pentiment should have been nominated in a few areas. I question some nominations, but that's that's a whole other conversation that I really don't want to get into. That's a different thing. If I were Xbox, and I am not, and I do not have access to their data, I do not have access to their information, very smart, very well-paid people make these calls. Yes. 
But all the, saying that to say, I would have put something up there. Not everything, of course not. You can't do everything. You're not going to have like, oh, here's four or five different games, game release dates. I would have just given one. I would have given a new trailer and a release date for one. And then like, okay, we were there. Especially because I think they have been there in a big way in the past. Um, I would actually even dare say, in the past years, Miles, they've been there in a bit much bigger way than Sony has with PlayStation yes. or even Nintendo. Yeah. Uh, 2020, please correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think uh, PlayStation had any announcements. They were there in a big way for the awards, obviously, yes. Last of Us Part Two and Ghost of Tsushima, but unless I am misremembering something, I skimmed through it uh, a couple of days ago, Sony was not at the Game Awards 2020. 2021, all they had was a like one-minute trailer for Horizon Forbidden West. So I do want to temper this whole conversation with their competitor has not been there in a big way in past years, or at all some years, and I don't seem to recall it getting this kind of pushback. I understand different situations, different games having release dates, but it's just something I want to keep in mind, something I want to keep in the conversation. But yeah, no, it's not the call I would have made. I would have had one game, probably Redfall, like you said, probably that one. Uh, I would have had that have a release date, but they didn't. Maybe there's a reason for it. Yes, uh, you bring up an interesting point. Yes, there have been people who have sat out in the past. We've we've had years where there's not a big PlayStation presence or not a big Nintendo presence, and um, I think that's ultimately fine. Obviously, um, Microsoft made this decision not to be there, but what confuses me about Microsoft as they're in this rapid growth phase, as they are trying to sell new players on the Xbox ecosystem and kind of revitalize themselves and revitalize the brand, they have commented on, you know, the, the game awards and what that means for the industry and how it brings the industry together. And so to me, it seems with Microsoft specifically, because of their mentality and because of their current goals, it seems at odds for them to say, we're just not going to be there. It's not that we don't have anything and we're going to touch on that really soon. Um, right, it's right. not that Microsoft didn't have anything to show. That's not the case. Microsoft said we have things to show. We're not showing them here. And that to me was the, the, the problem that I had with that decision mm -hmm. is that this show is about the industry as a whole. It's about everyone from the industry coming together. And we're going to get into it more, but they, they talk about timing and that is important. But at the same time, 103 million people watch this Every single year, the show grows, has a bigger audience. Just from a brand perspective, just to put eyes on your games, this was an opportunity to get PlayStation fans excited about Xbox, get Nintendo fans excited about Xbox. So, I'm sorry, as big as Xbox is, there's never going to be an Xbox showcase that just hits those metrics. There's just mm -hmm. not. And so it's strange to me that you didn't give at least one thing that kind of gets Xbox on this big stage in that way. And I think for me, that was the most disappointing thing. I remember being there in the crowd and having the producer of Final Fantasy 16 come out on stage, which was dope. The crowd went wild, crowd went absolutely nuts. It was so cool to see that figure come out on stage. And then to have him say, I'm excited to announce the final world premiere of the night. And I remember sitting back in my seat and saying, oh damn, Xbox really isn't gonna be here at all. Xbox isn't gonna show a single game. That is. That is out of control. That is so wild. And I, like, I wasn't mad. I was just sure. considering their recent history, considering their, their goals. I just thought it was such a strange decision. 
Yeah, especially because, Miles, like in past years, they've actually had people say like, hey, temper your expectations, even when they were still there. Even when they still like exactly when they... Perfect Dark, which is a big deal, or yeah. announced you know, like here's <laughs> the first gameplay for Hellblade Two, which is what? a big deal. And both of those years, they still had people saying, "Hey, temper your expectations," which I understand in comparison to like the Series X and Hellblade Two both being announced. Okay, you can't really top that. Like no, that was that, that's a permanent high. No one can ever top that as a platform. I get it, so I understand. But it's weird to not then temper expectations when you're just. Basically not. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, again, I'm I'm sure very smart people make these decisions and we're looking at the data, and, but it is at odds with their past behavior. And I think that's fair to highlight. Yes. And that's where I'm at. Like, I wasn't super mad. I was obviously a little disappointed. Like, I, I talk about this. This is an Xbox centric show. Um, sure. I try not to, you know, indulge in the, the, the console war conversations because they don't really add a lot here. But I'm not afraid to say that Xbox is the platform I play on the most. It's, it's my preferred platform. It's where I play most of my games. Um, and so to see Xbox at this indus industry celebration just opt out, it's... I didn't get it. I really, I really didn't get it. And um, as we've seen with a lot of people in the community, they also don't get it. And there have been a lot more passionate, heated takes than the ones we've presented. So... I understand that the community is upset, and that's going to lead us into our next topic. But before I get into that, I'm going to get to a, a super chat here from Assassin, who says, Hell, everyone. I think you mean hello, everyone. I want he to... might mean hell. Hell, Have everyone. Have you seen the way this year is going? <laughs> I want to know, do you guys really think there will be an Xbox Direct, in quotes, like event in mm. January or February? If so, what would they show? Games they announced in 2020, along with Starfield Redfall, etc., or more updates on games as a service games like Halo. Alright, Assassin, I'm glad you bring that up. We're gonna dive, we're gonna dive into all of that. We're gonna dive into the meat, the crux of probably the biggest rumor right now in the Xbox camp. Because as we touched on, as everyone knows, as everyone's complained about, Xbox wasn't at the Game Awards. They just weren't at the Game Awards in a big way. And immediately. Immediately after, because of all the negativity, folks from Xbox came out and addressed the situation. We had Aaron Greenberg, the VP of Marketing for Xbox, take to Twitter and say this. Quote, we have a lot planned to show and share about an incredibly exciting year ahead for 2023. Appreciate folks are eager to learn and see more. Timing is always key. But don't worry, you will not have to wait too long for what's next from us. So that comment alone has led fans to speculate on what that means. Timing is key, in quotes, and you won't have to wait long, quote, um, to see what's next for us. So because of this, a lot of people have begun speculating on when we are going to see something from Xbox. What's next? I've written editorials about this in the past. We've had a lot of people in the community talk about this. But, you know, is Xbox finally going to have their answer to the Nintendo Direct? Are they finally going to have a showcase, a new and improved showcase that really highlights and celebrates the future of Xbox games? Um, this was further amplified when someone from the video production team of Xbox took to Twitter with a picture of a logo that said Xbox Studios and basically said, excited to you know be in the new studio, still has that new car smell. That tweet has been deleted. A lot of people said, oh, damn, it's real. They're doing the Nintendo Direct, bro. It's happening. So there's been a lot of, you know, smoke, if you will, surrounding a Xbox showcase. So Sam, when do you think we'll see Xbox provide its next major update to players? So, I mean, here's the thing. 
you can't say you won't have to wait long. It'll be very soon, you know, whatever. You can't say that and then, oh, it's you're waiting until E3. That doesn't work. That's not what it is. You can't do that. It, it literally, by definition, has to be something before that. This is tough. If I'm betting, I would say something mid to late February. I think mid to late February makes sense. Because January, the industry is kind of groggy in January. Like, the industry has been better about, like, games releasing there. A lot of Resident Evil games. I think next year we've got the Dead Space remake. We've got Forspoken, you know. So, like, the industry is better about games coming out then. But everyone's still kind of waking up. Some people are on extended holiday breaks at the studios and the publishers. It's probably harder to, like, actually get stuff done. It's winter. So, I think February makes sense. I think February, you know, maybe the second, third week in February, you can have a, a quick show then. That makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where, like they said, timing is very important. And we know the gaming industry for basically the back half of December, that's a wash. Everyone's off. Oh, yeah. Everyone's taking a break. And a lot of these breaks are well-deserved. A lot of these people have just been waiting for this time off. And then in January, they're going to reevaluate things and start easing back into the flow. I don't think... You know, for the most part, you know, there's the whole new year, new me approach. But realistically, it's going to take some time to adjust and get back into the flow of work in sure. January. That being said, when I wrote my editorial about, you know, Xbox needs a Nintendo, an answer to the Nintendo Direct, I talked about a quarterly approach. I talked about Xbox trying to get in front of its audience once a quarter with some kind of updates. And whether that be Xbox Game Pass drops, whether that be first party drops, whether that be third party drops, you know, let your audience know what they should be excited about in the near future. Xbox right now has, a, has, has done an amazing job letting you know what the distant future looks like. But a lot of people, you know, as the meme says, are, are, are tired of waiting. You know, wait till next E3 is the meme with Xbox. And they haven't done the best job communicating that. I thought last year's showcase, which said these games are coming in the next 12 months. Well, people didn't like that. I thought that was a crucial call for Xbox because yes. Yes. they were not consistent with near-term messaging. It just wasn't there. There was a lot of pessimism about the near-term future of Xbox, and they needed to address that, and they did. So didn't have a ton of complaints about that. Thought that was well-paced and well-focused. What I want to see at the start of January is kind of what the tone of 2023 is. Aaron Greenberg is talking about it. Folks like myself in the community are talking about it. 2023 is going to be stacked, regardless of where mm -hmm. you play. But Xbox in particular has a lot of things that they've already confirmed for 2023. Some of those were delayed, like your Redfall, your Starfield, but then we have Forza, we have Minecraft Legends. There's a lot of stuff confirmed already from Xbox before we're even in 2023. So set the tone. Come out in January, in my opinion, and set the tone for what to expect. Whether that's at the end of, it would probably more realistically need to be at the end of January to give everyone time to prepare these things because, you know, we see a lot of folks on the YouTube side of things say, I can whip up a video with trailers in a short period of time and it's not a lot of work. Sure, yes, the, the video editing side alone, you could do relatively quickly. However, it is really important that we stress what actually goes into preparing the gameplay segments. There's a lot of work. There is a lot of work that goes into preparing a gameplay segment to show to the world. And that is a lot of pressure and a lot of stress on teams. And that component of it does take a lot of time. It does take at least at least weeks, depending on the state of the game. You know, if the game is coming along well in a, in a polished playable state, it's still, still work to get that playable slice. So 
we do have to keep that in mind as we set these expectations. But that being said, lean into your Game Pass partners, lean into your third pass third party partners. So that way when you have these shows, you have a couple of big first party pops, you have some Xbox Game Pass drops, and then you have a highlight of you're highlighting a partner. And that could be a great way for Xbox to kind of reinvigorate some of its relationships as well. So I would love for it to come in January. And with the messaging of people like Aaron Greenberg, when I was at the Game Awards, uh, you know, I got to like meet Phil Spencer and a bunch of Xbox people. There was the Xbox table. And so I was there hanging out with people. Obviously, I wasn't going to grill them. You know, they're human beings just hanging out, having a beer. So I wasn't going to sit there and say, what the hell, dude? Why didn't you show anything? But, you know, we, we talked about it. You know, I, brought, I did bring it up. I said, okay, what's the strategy here? And that was kind of how I phrased it. And again, a lot of this stuff is messaged a specific way. And the sentiment before Aaron Greenberg t- tweeted was basically what Aaron Greenberg said. You won't have to wait long. We have a lot of stuff to show and you won't have to wait long. Uh, basically, kind of alluding to the fact that they do have a plan for when they want to show stuff. They reiterated timing to me a bunch. Timing is important. Timing is important. So I don't know what that means for future announcements. I don't know what the, why they keep stressing timing and what exactly that means. But my hope is that they are setting the tone of 2023. And that means skipping the game wards so they can start the year very, very strong. And if they, they can start the year very, very strong, that's going to kind of, I think, quell a lot of these criticisms and concerns that the community has about them not showing up at the Game Awards after having one of their lightest years ever. Gamers are very, what have you done for me lately? Exactly. They care about the last six months. They don't care about context beyond that. I mean that in a good and bad and insulting and non-insulting way. I, I, it's just... It's, it's how things work. People care about the immediacy. They care about the immediate looking forward. You have to address that and you have to keep it addressed, which is why I agreed with you that I thought the 12 month, hey, here's the next year approach is a good call. I think moving forward, if they can stick to that very closely, they'll be in a much better position. Yeah. But you got to keep the momentum. That's all it is. Right now, and this might be, I think, the next thing on our docket, they got a lot of games that don't have release dates. They're supposed to be out next year. So... What are we doing? Oh, what are we doing? So, Sam, what do you want to see from Xbox messaging in 2023? You know, let's let's just call 2022 a wash. You know, we can we can fixate on the past, but I would rather focus on the future and what's next. So, what do you want to see as as a player from Xbox messaging in 2023? I want to see their games, and I want to see them have release dates, just the ones that are actually coming out in 2023. At least, at least right now, like when we get to E3 and or if E3 comes back, it's supposed to. We'll see what happens there at Summer Game Fest. I don't know. I don't even know at this point what's going to happen there. But if we're talking about immediacy, right, Miles? So late January, February, they do this rumored Xbox show. I think you need to not bloat it. I think you need to keep it focused on just their games. Like, hey, Redfall, Starfield, Forza Motorsport, Minecraft Legends... And then was there something? No, no, it's those four. Like all of those games are supposed to be out before June 30, 2023. Those games are supposed to be, unless they get delayed again, they're supposed to be out. So it's like, okay, those four games, we need to see more gameplay. We need to get a release date. That's just pure, pure and simple. I personally, I think it'll go something like Redfall, Forza, Minecraft, Starfield. That's just my personal guess. I think that makes sense. Redfall was supposed to come out before Starfield. So 
And also, Redfall, I don't know if you've noticed this, has been shared a lot. Like, Arcane and the Bethesda Twitter accounts are constantly sharing new screenshots. They're constantly sharing new tiny little clips. It's like, the Redfall marketing machine is at work very yes. slowly, very subtly. But, like, I don't think we're going to be waiting long for that game. I really don't. I think it's going to be a case of when that show happens, like, okay, Redfall is out in a month or five weeks. I, I really do think it's something like that. And that would be such a great way to start the year. Um, yeah. Before I comment on that a little bit further, just want to give a huge shout out to everyone who's tuning in live to Xbox Chatterdays. If you are new to the show, appreciate you tuning in. We are live every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific time or 1 p.m. Eastern time. If you're listening on audio services, appreciate you listening after, listening after the fact. And um, yeah, just appreciate everyone who shows up, has fun, joins in the conversations. Um, 2023. It's really going to be an interesting year for Xbox. We've seen people say, you know, it's a make or break year quote. And that's, you know, that hyperbole gets used a lot frequently. Um, yeah. But there's just been a lot of people who have been disappointed or frustrated or really uncertainty, I think, is the, the biggest legitimate con concern surrounding Xbox is they haven't, for some people, proven that they can deliver games consistently. We just We just haven't had a consistent several years from Xbox and a long time a really really long time and that's that's not unfair that's not mean-spirited that's not me hating on the brand that's just kind of the situation that we're in so when i look at 2023 i think the start of 2023 and how they message that and what that means is incredibly important so i agree i do like the longer format shows if they want to do those i think those are fine but i do think they need a tight digestible show for the average player a nice 20 to 30 minutes that showcases, 30 minutes. That yep. showcases maybe five to six games. Do one with Redfall. Do one with Minecraft Legends. Do one with Wolong. Do one with something else. And then finish it with Starfield. An update on Starfield. Boom. If you do that at the start of the year, not a lot of complaints. If you can say you'll be playing all of these games in the next three to six months, boom. That is so much goodwill right out of the gate. And if they can be consistent in message and say, all right, you're going to hear from us again in... Uh, March, or you're going to hear from us again in May or June. And if they can do that, and they can message and t let fans know when to expect the next update, I think thing, that sort of transparency and that sort of consistency is going to alleviate a lot of these concerns and a, a lot of this uncertainty surrounding Xbox, because they do have such an incredibly exciting future. They, they, they just genuinely do. There's so many games on the horizon, and the frustrations stem from the, the community just wanting to see these games. And the reality is, as much as we want to see games, sometimes they're just not ready. And that sucks. That's, that's annoying. Um, but that's just kind of the way it is. We can't force these games to be done faster. I mean, you know, I, I have seen people say, like, well, they just need the crunch and stuff like that. And it's like, okay, we're, I thought we were kind of past that, that portion of the industry. But the reality is people just want to see the games. And that, that is noble. I think that's, that's, that's well enough. You, we all want to see these games but it's going to come down to Xbox and how they present those games to fans that's really going to turn the tides. And so 2023, I don't think is going to be absolutely ridiculously stacked for Xbox first party, but I do think it's going to be that first year where they finally deliver on that four big first party AAA games per quarter. And they're going to you know, talk about that and talk about how in the past they've made this promise and how in the past they haven't delivered on that promise and that, you know, 2023 is going to be the first year where that's, you know, what you can expect. And I think that's going to mean 
that Xbox is a little bit more conservative with the games they release, and I don't think that's a problem. If they can give us Forza, if they can give us Starfield, if they can give us Redfall, if they can give us Minecraft Legends, and then one other game to cap off the end of the year, I mean, can we, is that, I guess I'll pose that as a question to you and the chat. Is that enough? I, I, I think so. Yeah, for me personally, if the games they have said are coming out in the first half of 2023 come out, and then there's one other game, let's say... September, October, What's somewhere in there. Like maybe it's Hellblade 2. I think you and I agree that just makes the most sense. It's been in development the longest, but it could be something else. It could be Avowed. It could be one yes. of the, it could be Contraband. It could be one of the other rumored games. If they deliver what they have said and then one other big game, September or October, I think that's good. In my personal opinion, I think that's great. We also already know they're not big games. I get it, but they count. Age of Empires is coming to Xbox. We have a release date for Age of Empires 2 hitting consoles. That's going to be the end of January. We know Age of Empires 4 is coming to console sometime later in the year. We so have like, Aura, you, which is not console, but still. Right, yeah. Th that's the one that keeps slipping my mind because it's not console, but it is first party. It is a game, so like, and that's also supposed to be first half of the year. So, you add all that up, yes. I, I personally will say, well done. You have delivered. Excellent job. I'm in the same boat. If they can do that and they've set this tone of that's kind of the, we're not going to get a I don't think we're going to be able to get a starfield level game every year cuz that's the anticipation for that is just you out of control like you, starfield is let me let me segue here miles let me m dash this uh, just a moment here so to speak i think there's a valid argument to make that starfield is the biggest new ip launch for uh xbox and bethesda but you know as well but xbox now because bethesda's xbox uh in their history Ever since, like, since the original, like, Halo and Gears of War have come out. Like, like ever since those, like, can you name a new IP for them that has been this anticipated, that has been this big of a deal? It's th I, I this can't. is one when I go on social media. This is it. This is when I, when I ask anyone what the yeah. most anticipated game is, Starfield is coming up. Starfield yeah. is in that list, and that's, that's important. And that's the, those are the kind of releases that Xbox needs and wants. So that, that's a great place for them to be. And if they can deliver that, they have one of the most highly anticipated games and it comes out of the gate and it is one of the most polished and tight Bethesda launches ever, then Xbox can really lean into this basically promise they've been making all of us. Promise they've been making developers, prom promises they've been making customers that says, you should be excited about Xbox Game Studios because what it means for the games and how we're going to enable these developers to make the best games that they've ever made. Like for mm -hmm. me, that's important. Like that, yeah. that, that I take very seriously and I take very literally, like I know marketing is important, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the end of the day, that is why I'm excited about Xbox game studios. And that's why I'm excited about the future of Xbox, because we have this massive figure like Microsoft who has way more resources and way more money than most people can ever fathom. And they are, you know, messaging that they're willing to invest that in video games and invest that into teams and invest that into people. And to empower people to make new things and empower people to create. And that, to me, as, as someone who loves video games, who loves the video game industry, that's why I'm excited about Xbox. That's why I'm excited about Xbox Game Studios. So for me, that promise is important. And that promise is, is one that they need to keep for me. Because um, I'm sure they've been using that promise to bring on board talent. And if that you know doesn't end up being the reality, they're not going to keep that new talent around, I think is just the kind of hard reality of that. So 
I'm hopeful that Starfield, Redfall, and those hit, and those are the best Arcane games and the best Bethesda games that we've ever had. But as the meme goes, Sam, uh, we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait yes, and see what old Xbox can deliver there. Um, so the next segment I kind of want to transition to is basically Xbox's 2022 in review. It's we, we talked about 2023. We talked about our hopes and dreams for that. Um, but I want to spend some time kind of recapping some of the some of the highlights from 2022 for Xbox because it's been like you said it's been a roller coaster of a year. The start oh, yeah. of this year was wild. We had Elden Ring. There's all the extreme high Game Pass. This seems like forever ago. This seems like a, another lifetime. But at the start of 2022, Xbox Game Pass was going hard. The start this year kicked off so aggressively for Xbox Game Pass, and there are so many big, high-profile games launching an Xbox Game Pass at the start of this year. So Xbox came out of the gate swing. They came out of the gate hard. And then Activision Blizzard came into the picture, and things since then have pretty much been kind of a hot mess on the market, marketing and messaging front. So I want to break it into some distinct categories here. Um, let's start with games. Um, and this one, probably not a long conversation. But how did you feel about Xbox's output in 2022 on the game front? Thank your deity of choice for Obsidian Entertainment. That's that is what I will say. It's like that. Thank you, Obsidian. You 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 put out two games in a year that was very thin, and yes. you should be saluted for that. Put out probably the best polished survival game ever. Pentiment is incredible. Please, I am begging you all for the love of God, play Pentiment. If you have not played it, it's fantastic. Um, Pentiment is one of my favorite games of the year, and also well you know. As Dusk Falls was really good, a partner game, you know, yes. from Interior Night. So, like, that was good. They launched that. With that in mind, I think if we're doing a letter grade, I would say this is... I can't go higher than, like, a C. Like and you I said. Think, and I think that is bolstered because Pentiment is so bloody good, if I'm being honest here. Obsidian did uh, all the heavy lifting for Xbox in 2022. Yes. Grounded, yes. one of my favorite survival games ever. Love that game. Adored. I've been playing it constantly for years. It's a game my wife and I go back to every time there's a major update. Uh, we went back to it when 1.0 dropped. So Grounded, amazing. Love it. So much style. So much just originality to it in, in a genre that's been done to death, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And they managed to put a unique twist on it and deliver a, a beautiful, stunning world with an incredibly small team. Josh Sawyer and the Pentiment team, another really small team with a really kind of strange, off-the-wall idea that they committed to. And that is, again, another, you know, to throw back to the whole Xbox Game Studios thing, Josh Sawyer has come out and basically talked about how without Game Pass, like, he probably would not, would not have pitched Pentiment. Yeah. Because it is. It's an unconventional, strange idea, but people absolutely loved it. And it proves that there is still hope for creativity in the medium. That not everything has to be formulaic. Not everything has to be a looter shooter. Not everything has to be X genre, X style with RPG elements to survive. So Pentiment and is also a game that was developed entirely through the pandemic, by the way. Yeah. Miles. I don't know if a lot of people know that, but they had conversations about it for a long time, of course. But, like, work on that began January 2020. So, yeah. so yeah, exactly. So that's, again, it shows that these teams have the resources to make games now completely um, through the pandemic, through work from home, and they've 
they've they've adapted and and still can create a lot of the struggles that we saw i think with a lot of bigger games is when they were partially in development during mm-hmm. the pandemic and they had to figure out like oh my god how do we transfer all of these assets how do we adjust our workflow how do we get this all going and so that again another shining example of how to make it work um i want to talk a little bit about xbox game pass obviously that's a big pillar of microsoft's business right now a big component of what they're doing how did you feel about xbox's game pass offerings in in 2022 uh if we're continuing let's let's stick with the letter grade theme why not i think it it, it works you know um, I think a very, very fair B. I, I think a B. They did a good job. I think this first half of the year was stronger, except for the first party, because the three games they launched were in the second half. But, I mean, they launched a lot of really good games, They and they got some big, high-profile stuff. They got some big third parties to come in and launch day one. Uh, it seems like a lifetime ago, Miles, but Rainbow Six Extraction, was launched day one on Dune. It does got, feel they, like a lifetime ago. My that feels God. like it was years ago. Oh that, that's God. one of those games that I forget was this year. I'm going to be real with you. I, I, uh, but they also got Total War Warhammer 3. I know that's PC only, but y'all, that was a very big deal for PC only. That was that was an, oh, dang, okay, they are getting some movement here. Um, they've had a bunch of other things. Metal Hellsinger, launching day one in Game Pass. Uh, you know, like, we talked about that earlier. Like, that's a great game. Norco. Mm. Um, you know, lots of good smaller story games. Signalis, they got that in there. I'm trying to think. There's a few others. There were a few other highlights I played that I really enjoyed. Uh, feel Plague free Tale to chime Re- in with any. A Plague Plague Tale Tale Requiem. Requiem. Yeah. Thank you. Like, come on. That was a big deal. That was a great game. I need you, by the way, to hit me up when you do finish that. Because the ending of that game. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it hits. Oh, it, dude, it's 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 one of those rare ones where when you finish Plague Tale Requiem, you just have to put the controller down and you have to take your headset off and you need to just go walk around for a moment. It's like, oh, man, a, a load is coming off my back. This is. Oh, man. So, yeah, oh, yeah. Plague Tale Requiem. Great, great pickup. Great pickup. Hard Space Shipbreaker. More people need to play that, by the way. Very interesting game. It's like capitalist satire from Blackbird Interactive where you're cutting up spaceships and turning them into small parts. You got to pay off your trillion credit debt or whatever. It's really fun. Um, so, yeah, like, I think they did a good job with Game Pass. I really do. I, I think it could have been better, but it certainly wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. If, if I'm ignoring first party... In, right, in 2022, right. which first party from the equation here for a um, yeah. which isn't hard because zing. Um, <laughs> this is a solid. This is a solid A year for me, in my opinion. Okay. So many of the games that were nominated for Game of the Year were in Game Pass Day One, Immortality, A Playtale Requiem, Metal <laughs> Hellsinger. Like some of my favorite games of this year. Period. Nobody saves the world. Absolutely adore that game. Phenomenal game. Um, Tunic, like, like this year was so packed for big, noteworthy, exciting Game Pass mm-hmm. releases, regardless of, you know, what your tastes are, what you want to play. Sure, they weren't all like the massive AAA games, but I think it's really hi- highlighted and reinforced the, the, the importance of smaller scale independent projects yes. because yep. we're vampire survivors. We're seeing the biggest, the games that everyone is talking about. Everyone is saying this needs to be game of the year. Signalis was another one of those that people just love. Tinykin. Like, there are so many games. Persona 5, if we're even, we're ignoring that. Like, that was one of the most highly rated RPGs of all time. 
and that launched finally day came one. over to Xbox. Finally yep. came over to Xbox. They launched it day one in Xbox Game Pass, baby. Let's go. So as a as a subscriber, again, this is ignoring first party. I know people. That's the drum that they bang the loudest. That's the thing they are most just pissed off about is that Xbox didn't have big first party games. But that being said, considering what was available, considering what came out, the strategic gets for so many games that were highly rated and nominated for game of the year. Um, you just can't ignore that as, as much as people talk about, you know, game pass filler and well, this game isn't that great. This game is sitting in an X, Y, Z on Metacritic, you know, for every one of those, there was like a game of the year pick. So <laughs> I think they did an amazing job curating Game Pass this year. And I really, I don't have much to complain about. As an Xbox Game Pass subscriber for 2022, I was stoked. And like I said, my my freaking backlog, dude. Hot diggity. <laughs> Damn, it's full. So yeah, I thought they I thought they killed it in 2022 with Game Pass. Um, and again, if they can keep that momentum with the smaller scale projects and supplement that with First Party in 2023, hmm. Mm, man, that sub going to be looking extra good. Um, Now I want to talk a little bit about how you felt regarding Microsoft's marketing and announcements in 2022. How did oh you my. feel about the overall vibe that Microsoft presented to fans and players in, in 2022? Marketing is such a weird conversation, right? Because, like, what is marketing? What, what, do, you, what do you want to say? What do you want to... Some people I think would call was... Xbox Chatterdays marketing. Uh, yeah, well, those people are idiots. Um, I think because of the limits of what first-party games they had, they did the best job they could, is what I will say. Yeah. I think, I think my, my issues, all the shortcomings, and I think there are shortcomings, are down to the fact that it's like, well, y'all, if you want Starfield and Redfall to be the best games possible, then they had to accept that they needed to be delayed. Like, that's, that's something that does kind of irritate me here. Like, yes, it's disappointing we didn't get to play those games. Starfield is my most anticipated game. I get, I get Redfall is right behind it. I love Arcane. But they can't say to Bethesda, hey, you're part of the Xbox family. You're welcome here. We're giving you resources. We're giving you time. And then crack the whip and say, nope, those games are out. Hell people, or high water. People are November mad. 2022, you, you, deadline is there. Like, you can't, doesn't work that way. Okay, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You, you either they have time and are treated well or they don't and aren't. It really it really is that simple. So with the limitations of yeah, the first party lineup was thin 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 this year. I think they did the best job they possibly could under those circumstances. Yeah, it's it's tough because obviously yeah, there wasn't a huge amount to message and market for Xbox first party. That being said, we saw them lean into the Game Pass in really clever ways. Sure. We saw a lot of, you know, cool buzz leading into Game Pass releases, stuff like Fall Guys coming to Xbox. A lot of these oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. these releases that skipped the platform originally got a nice little refresh in the marketing side. One thing that I really want to stress is how much I really did appreciate the Xbox and Bethesda game showcase this year and its yes. focus on 12 months. Again, yes. I know that was polarizing. I know people wanted to know that maybe beforehand because it didn't have the big or whatever you insert banjo or insert whatever absolute mm -hmm. megaton that's you know maybe is or isn't real at this point insert that that wasn't there for you and if you were upset by that okay that's that's totally fine but that being said not only was it tight and focused and and designed to deliver on promises and realistic ones at that 
it also had a segment that I loved that focused on Japan. Uh, obviously, if you follow my work, if you follow me on Windows Central, I've been very vocal about Xbox and Japan and Xbox, Xbox's relationship with, with partners in Asia specifically. Xbox, once upon a time, early on in Xbox into Xbox 360, I feel like had strong relationships with these publishers, had strong relationships with a lot of these teams, and that went away. And they have not been consistent, and that's been a glaring problem. Um, obviously, PlayStation is pl paying for exclusivity for bigger titles like Final Fantasy VII. There's a lot of examples of games that are just, the exclusivity is being paid for, whatever. Mm -hmm. But that being said, that's not the case universally. I see people say, well, PlayStation's buying this. PlayStation is not buying every single exclusivity or exclusivity for every single JRPG. I can guarantee you that. I have spent a lot, I've spent months digging and trying to get answers to this. And I can promise you that PlayStation is not buying exclusivity for every single JRPG. So please, I beg of you, stop sharing that as the reality. It is the reality for certain big games. But really what it boils down to is Xbox was not consistent with its relationships. Um, and so for Phil Spencer to come out and, and bring out Hideo Kojima, and for Phil Spencer to come out and do a segment dedicated to how they're trying to improve their relationship with Japanese creators. For me, that was really important. And what was even more important was right after they announced stuff like Persona 5 Royal was coming to Xbox and they had this, this big pop in, in terms of how Xbox is perceived in Japan, Phil said, we're not done. Like, it's cool, yes, Persona's dope, awesome, we're not done. Like, we still have work to do. And so that, to me, that moment, that was probably my highlight for Xbox in 2022 was the team tangibly showing you what they're doing to build those relationships and what they're doing to establish these partnerships. And it's not, you know, it's a lot more complicated than Square sucks, which I see a lot. Square Enix sucks. And so that's, that's the only reason. And that's, you know, what, however you feel about Square, Square Enix, that's not the only reason because Square Enix is not the only publisher and partner skipping Xbox. That's the hard reality. I did an editorial, if you haven't checked it out this week, that really kind of dives into a lot of the, the misconceptions surrounding all of that. And, you know, these publishers don't hate Xbox fans. That's, that's not really a reality that's happening behind the scenes. Um, another thing, I guess, while we're on this topic that I want to address is the, the cost of ports. Because that's something I see grossly kind of underestimated. People say, oh, it's cheaper than ever to do a port. It's not expensive to do a port. That's not true. It's very expensive to do a port. Even for a smaller scale indie project, it's three to six months and starts at $50,000. And if you're a small scale indie project, there's no guarantee if you bring that game to a platform, you're going to make up that $50,000. And that's the reality for some of these publishers and some of these development teams is A, they don't have the resources to do it in general, and B, they are unsure that they're going to recoup the costs. And so that is a huge factor for Xbox ports from what I've gathered, skipping the platform. So Xbox is doing a lot. Xbox is doing a lot behind the scenes and we need to commend that. I commend that wholeheartedly um, because it's been something that, you know, I've touched on a lot and I've talked about a lot. So for me, that was probably the biggest highlight in terms of S Xbox messaging and marketing in 2022. What's, what's the grade you're throwing on there, messaging and marketing? Bearing in mind that so many of the problems, again, were due to what they had with first party or what, what they didn't have, rather. I think a B minus seems fair. Yeah, I, th I would say that's fair. B I would say B minus is fair. It wasn't bad. 
They did not no. do a bad job messaging or marketing, considering what they had to show. I think right. overall, they did what they could, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I want to emphasize this again before we move on, Miles. I do agree with you with the 12-month show. That was something I liked about back when ZeniMax, you know, back when Bethesda was a third-party publisher before Microsoft bought them. That was something I always appreciated about them because they did the whole 12-month thing. They did not show you stuff like, yes, okay, they announced Elder Scrolls 6 and Starfield to get people off their backs. Like, yes, these games exist. They're not coming anytime soon. But, like, really it was always, hey, this game's coming out in a few months. This game's coming out early next year. That is something I really appreciate, and I really hope uh, that Microsoft sticks to that moving forward. I yeah. really do. Because I, if they can do it every year, you don't have any problems. The problem is consistency. You got to stick to it. Every once in a while, it is cool to get that pop, that title that you see sure. on the horizon. You say, sure. yo, Banjo's real. Finally, hell yeah, let's go. Um, but Microsoft had so many of those back-to-back. -back. You had Fable. You had Perfect Dark. You had Hellblade. You had State of Decay 3. You had all of these huge games. We were like, oh, damn. Xbox is going all in. That is so cool. And then years went by and people were like, okay, like, did you need to show all these at once? Because now, now the conversations have turned to, well, where are these? You showed me this years ago and I haven't heard anything. I haven't seen anything. And that leads people to fill in the gaps with pessimism and say, well, it's in development hell. There's issues, blah, blah, blah. When really they showed a lot of this stuff too early at the same time. Again, they were in a tough situation because when they did that, the messaging was, Xbox has no games. Xbox has no games. So why should I be excited about Xbox? So Xbox is like, we do have games. We promise we're working on games. Be excited. So they showed a bunch of those games. And then people were like, well, where are the games? Like, we're working on them. Well, then why'd you show them so early? And <laughs> so it's let's, this... be let's be fair here as well. Let's be fair. I want to I do a reality check. They have announced, they announced in 2021, two new first party games. And then they did the same thing this year as well. Now you can say, oh, well, that's not the game I want. Well, all right, all right, we can keep shifting the conversation around. Then it might not be the big game you want. But like, it's not like they haven't announced games the past couple of years either. They have still been doing that. Exactly. And I do think that's important to keep in mind. Exactly. Again, it hasn't necessarily been the Fable. The, the franchise, we're like, oh, hell yes, let's go. I'm ready for Fable. Let's go. But that being said, when I am looking at shows, when I am watching a show, the most hype thing is when I see something I wasn't aware of, something I didn't know existed, and they say, you're playing this in six months. Like when, mm -hmm. they, when Nintendo announced the new Kirby, Kirby in the Forgotten Land, and it looked like the most ambitious Kirby game ever. And they're like, you're playing this in six months. I'm like, whoa, let's get it. Let's go, boy. And I want Xbox to have some of those pops. And I know that's tough. Like I, I, I'm not going to downplay what actually goes into keeping that a secret that long for one, and then two, having something ready to show in a time frame that lets everyone know it's coming in six months. Like that is so hard to do. So I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but also as just a fan coming from a fan perspective, you, it does not get more hype than that. Like that energy cannot be topped from software. Does it a lot from armored core six when they're like, we just, we're here to accept award for Elden ring being game of the year, baby. And armored core six is coming next year. And you're like, what? Yeah, How on earth like, are you doing this? And so, yeah, that, that, there's energy behind that. And so I, I, I personally, I like the short-term approach as opposed to the long-term approach. And it's, it was funny and interesting to me that the conversations flipped so dramatically for Xbox from being oh, yeah. that people right. don't want to see Xbox announce games that are too far out to, why did Xbox only show us what's coming in 12 months? And so it was interesting. It was really interesting. And again, I think that goes to show the inconsistencies of Xbox. 
And again, I'm not gonna. I don't want to sit here and doom and gloom and dunk on Xbox, but they have not been consistent in a lot of areas, and people are getting frustrated by those inconsistencies. And it's it's complicated. It's tough. There's a lot that goes into it. The messaging changes. The, nece- the necessity of the business and what it needs to message change. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Don't want to try to oversimplify it. That's been my that's been my theme of the week on Twitter is. We got to take a step back and we need to stop oversimplifying everything. We all want the simple answer. We all want the one or two word answer. When I posted that editorial about why games are skipping Xbox, I saw people just say Sony. And I'm like, okay, well, we know that is the case for some games. Yes, absolutely. But we can't use that as the blanket answer to anything, any, any sort of criticism. And so it's complicated. You know, it's relationship status complicated. All right, let's talk about some games here, Sam. We've talked a lot about Xbox. Appreciate everyone. You know, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. If you're watching after the fact, let let us know how you felt about Xbox in 2022, what you want to see from Xbox in 2023, and we'll transition into High on Life, which if you're watching the show, that is on the screen here. Sam, first off, have you played any High on Life? I have not. You have not. I have just started it. So... I didn't play it at launch, but I got to sit down yesterday and play the first couple hours of the game. If you've been online, the reviews have been kind of polarizing, and I figured they would be polarizing because it's a comedy-focused game. And comedy in video games is very subjective, for one, and two, very hard to do. Um, Borderlands 2, one of the funniest games. I remember laughing my ass off so hard by how funny and how genuinely funny that was. Borderlands 3. One of the most unfunny games I've ever played in my entire life. It was so unfunny that I stopped playing the game. And, you know, I'm someone who I generally appreciate some good humor in a video game, but it was so distracting from the experience. I was like, I'm done. I don't want to play Borderlands 3 because they want to be funny and they're just, they're not landing it. So it, mm-hmm. it's polarizing. Inherently, comedy in video games is very polarizing. Justin Roiland, obviously of Rick and Morty fame, has established a cult fandom of of rick and morty super fans that franchise is huge it blew up for good reason it was dark it was weird a lot of it was ad-libbed and it just felt genuinely funny so justin roiland took that brand of comedy and put it into high on life and the overall theme of high on life is you're a you're a kid on earth and aliens invade your home planet and they are turning humans into drugs there's this big worm man and the Worm sucks people up and just like smokes them like a, a joint, basically. Like, so you're literally, humans are literally drugs to aliens on this planet. So you get warped to a galaxy, you become a bounty hunter, and your goal is to try to kill this basically mob, the space mob that's trying to convert humans into drugs. Absolute trip. But a lot of it, if you're familiar with Rick and Morty, is you can tell ad libbed. And so it's a lot of just rambling and ranting. All your guns talk. There's a lot of rambling from people on the streets. And that is going to be really polarizing. So far to me, it's been it's been really fun. Genuinely funny. Um, if you guys are familiar with the YouTube comedian sketch comedy guy, Joel, Joel Hover, uh, he's in it quite a bit. If you haven't checked out his stuff, highly recommend it. He is hilarious. He kills it with the ad libs. It's got Tim Robinson from Netflix's I Think You Should Leave, who is also a writer on SNL. Um, it's got so many amazingly funny people. The cast is stacked. 
if you watch YouTube comedy, if you watch really comedy in general, any sort of animation, you'll recognize a ton of voices. If you watch Smiling Friends on HBO, those those two are both there. Um, and it's funny. It's it's not every joke hits. Uh, you know, Justin Roiland, love him. Um, not every single joke hits, but when they do, oh my god. The, the scene that you've probably seen taken out of context is the scene with the kid pushing you around and being obnoxious. Yes. Fresh me, yes. fresh me. What are you going to do, fresh yep. me? And like, when I first saw that scene out of context, I was like, okay, whatever. That's, it's, that's funny. But mm-hmm. when you're there and there's eight minutes of dialogue, dude. Like, if you sit there and listen to that kid, he just rants for like eight straight minutes. And it's just as it goes on and on, it just gets funnier and funnier. And the entire time, if you try to walk by, he's just pushing you. He's trying to be the most obnoxious little shit in the world. And then he's trying to bait you into killing him. And it's just like it is. It's genuinely funny. And so there's been several times in the first couple hours where I've just genuinely laughed out loud by myself because of just how dumb and quirky everything is. So the world's great. I love the the very vivid art style. It mm. reminds me a lot of kind of Odd World Stranger's Wrath in the sense of all the guns have weird, unique powers to them. It's got some puzzle platforming elements to it. Um, so I recommend. I'm I'm hoping to see it through. I'm looking to see it through probably this next week. But so far, have really been jo- enjoying it. Nice. I know from our friend uh, Benji Sales that it's doing really well on Game Pass. He put out a tweet very recently about how it's, I think, the third most played game in Game Pass right now. And some people were coming at him being like, oh, well, that's pretty easy. And he was explaining, no, that's actually not easy at all. Most games do not even get remotely that high on the no. most played Game Pass charts. A lot of those games are mainstays and they stay where they are. Like, it's very hard for a new game to break in. So it definitely seems like this is a case of, oh, how do I, how do I put this? How do I put this? Uh, critical dissonance is how I'm going to choose to put it. It seems like this is a game where the critics are not liking it and the fans actually are. Yeah, it's so. it's not going to be a game for everyone. Um, sure. there are There's a lot of fourth wall breaking and that is going to be polarizing as well. So I thought this was very funny, but the tutorial starts and you're playing a video game within a video game. If you're watching the stream, you'll notice a part that kind of looks like old school Doom or old school um, Unreal Tournament. It's kind of like pixelated 3D. Um, that's the start of the game, and that's the tutorial, and you have Justin Roiland, and he chimes, and he's like, hey, this is your divorced lawyer, John. I'm here to, your wife has crash-landed on this alien planet, and she's having sex with all these aliens, and I know it's a a stretch, but whatever. And so Justin Roiland is constantly commenting on things that are in video games. So you go into a tower, and he's like, all right, we got to get the, uh, we got to get the energy stabilizer. It's probably, you know, it's it's probably in the top. That's, That's just how these things work. And so there's constantly jokes where they're commenting on video, how video games work. And, you know, sometimes it's whatever. And then sometimes it's very funny. So the tutorial at the start, you're going through and it's use right stick to turn, use left stick to move, press A to jump. And then you go to the next part and it's like, press A midair to double jump. And then you go to double jump and nothing happens. And then he chimes in, oh, oh shit, we don't, uh, we actually didn't have the budget. We couldn't figure that one out. So there's this game, there's no double jump. There's no double jump in this game. And it's, and there's stuff like that that is genuinely funny. Um, but again, going to be very polarizing, very, very polarizing just because comedy, it's, it's, it's subjective. The, the game started the first like five minutes. You see a, your sister do a line of Coke off a mirror. So it's, it sets the tone of kind of what to expect from the subject matter as well. Lots of profanity, um, lots of drug use, so definitely not a game for everyone. But if you're um, 
a sicko like me, you'll probably have some fun. <laughs> the next game I want to talk a little bit about is Armored Core 6. And we talked a little bit about this during our previous segment. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you and I are big From Software fans. Um, going into the Game Awards, this was kind of the one reveal that I was expecting from some, from Software was the new Armored Core. But then we got that trailer, dude. And oh my god, the trailer starts in a very Dark Souls kind of way. Cryptic text talking about the end of mankind, the end of existence. And you're like, oh my god, what is the cut to the scorched earth? The earth is on fire. You're like, oh my god. And then they're like, boom, Armored Core, baby. Post-apocalyptic, let's go. And you're like, oh, is Armored Core going to be a Souls-like? And that's kind of where everyone's mind went to. As soon, as soon as Armored Core 6 was revealed, as soon as people, you know, understood it was tied to From Software, people jumped and said, yo, is it going to be a Souls-like? And since then, um, From Software has done a lot to tell people, no, please don't expect this to be a Souls-like. They've come out in interviews, they've come out on social media and basically said, this is not going to be a Souls-like. It's going to be stage-based, like Armored, Armored Core has been in the past. And it's not mm -hmm. going to have Souls-like RPG mechanics. So, Sam, first off, how excited are you for Armored Core? Were you a fan of the franchise going into this reveal? I was not, but I was excited to learn about it. Because there's been, there's been rumors for a long time. I think it's been kind of an open secret that the next game FromSoft was going to do was Armored Core. That some stuff is leaked. There's been mm -hmm. a, lot of, a lot of talks about it. So I was expecting that this would be revealed. I was not expecting it would be 2023. That's the part that caught me off guard. It's like, oh, oh, dang, it's actually next oh, year. Dang. Okay. All right. D double act. Uh, part two here from soft. Great work. Um, but, but so no, I'm not a, I'm not, I can't say that I'm not a big fan because it sounds like I don't like it, but it just, I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with the older games and I never really played them that much. I think I played, was it Armored Core 3? I played one of them very briefly at a friend's house. Very briefly. I, I, I don't remember. It was either three or four. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more. I love From Software. I think they've just kind of earned the right after Elden Ring to kind of do what they want at this point. You know, they are so successful. It's like, all right, let's just let's do this. And I'm excited that it's going to be different. I'm excited that it's not going to play like their games. Um, even though I think the director of Sekiro is directing this game. Yes. I, I, I believe I saw that. So that's obviously very interesting. Man, we're in for a world of hurt. Some, some of these boss fights are going to be brutal. Like, you already know. You already know. We're going to get wrecked, crashed, scrapped, demolished, decimated, annihilated. Just, it's going to be rough. But I think it'll be a good time. And I'm excited to see what they can do where even Sekiro, as, as different as Sekiro is, still has similarities. Right. There's exactly. still some similarities. It's the most different, but there's still some ties, some tethers. I'm excited to see what FromSoft can do if they just cut loose and they're like, no, this isn't even remotely the same thing. I'm, I'm excited. Not. It's been a long time. Armored Core 5 came out on Xbox 360, early on on Xbox 360. So we've yeah, gone yeah. on a, a very extended period of time without a new Armored Core. I know Dark Souls gets roped in as like the difficult game. That's the meme. It's the Dark Souls of whatever. Armored Core 1, my god. I played that on PS1 as a kid. I could never get far. I remember playing it over and over, but that game had, you thought the, the losing your souls system was brutal? Armored Core, you would have to pay money to repair your mech. And if your mech got completely destroyed and you didn't have the resources to repair your mech, guess what? Your game's over. You start, you start the entire campaign over because you don't have the resources to repair your mech. That is how brutal the original Armored Core was. They've moved away from that a little bit, which, hallelujah, that was an interesting idea, but wow, that was rough. So 
From Software's legacy of brutal games has been going for quite some time, and I'm curious to see how they balance that with, you know, the legacy of Armored Core, and then, yeah. you know, like you said, Sekiro. Some of the sweatiest boss fights ever are in Sekiro. The final boss fight of Sekiro. My God, dude. I think I, I, think I tried it 15 times in a row before I finally got it, and I was just sweating. It's one of those moments where you stand up and just let out a primal victory scream because oh, yeah, of how yeah. like, invested you were in the fight. Well, dude, the final fight of Sekiro's, that, that dude earned his name. Sword Sage Ishin earned his name. I, I, I tried it for hours, hours straight, got so close so many times. I, I'll never forget screaming when I finished it, being so happy, and then they, noticing like my right hand wouldn't stop shaking. It was it was it was just constantly shaking like this like it's like jeez jeez so no we're, we're we're in for a world of hurt it's gonna be a good time so I'm ready I'm so stoked for Armored Core six again like you I want to see what From Software is gonna do From Software untethered to the Souls like formula because as much as I love Souls likes and Lord knows I'll play every single one mm -hmm. if From Software only does Souls likes for the rest of time I'll be there every single day but I am very curious to see what else they're doing and. You know, because as we saw with Sekiro, them experimenting, that led to new ideas and innovations in the Souls-likes. So maybe they'll get some insights, maybe they'll get some technical know-how that'll make the next weird-ass, obscure, cryptic, open-world, from-soft Souls-like a little bit more interesting. Because the jump! That's, that's a Sekiro, as, as silly and simple as it is, that jump was pulled straight from Sekiro. And so... <laughs> It's it's cool to see that kind of iterative process. And again, I've talked about this with other studios, and that's why I want to see like the coalition, and I want to see three four three industries experiment with completely unrelated things, and then come back to Gears, come back to Halo with that newfound skill, and then see how they can kind of sprinkle some of that stuff in there to shake it up. As much as I, I'm, you know, we like our comforts. Sometimes I like to be rattled a little bit. Sometimes I like to yeah, step yeah. far out of my comfort zone and play something that I wasn't expecting at all. And sometimes that can be the most exciting. So I'm really curious to see what happens with Armored Core 6. Quick super chat. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say very quickly. Obviously, it's not gameplay. Obviously, it was a CGI trailer. But I just want to reemphasize, that was a darn good trailer. The visuals in that trailer. Dude, tell me, tell me if you got this. There was obviously a lot of grand sci-fi, like Blade Runner, you know, visuals of a decimated Earth or like even some Dune scale. But I actually thought of uh, that Matrix anime. Do you remember that? Oh, uh, the, yeah. The, the, uh, the Machine Wars. Like, I yeah. can't remember the episode name, but that is the visual I got in my head when the rockets are raining down and the dark skies were illuminated and you just see these massive war machines. It's just very striking visuals. I hope the game can replicate that. I really do. Um, interesting aside real quick from Afropunk in the chat who says, maybe it's just me, but I always felt Sekiro had more in common with Tenchu than Souls games. Um, I think the... I don't know if this has been like publicly confirmed, but it has. It has. Okay. Activision owns Tenchu. And so Sekiro started as from software revisiting uh, the Tenchu series yep. and evolved into Sekiro. So that is why it feels so similar. And that's why it's an absolute banger because Tenchu kicks so much ass. <laughs> Love Tenchu. Um, that's another franchise. Again, I guess we don't really need it to come back in a certain way because I don't think. I don't think Atenshu could have come back and been what Sekiro was for me. Like, love Sekiro. Who? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think it's one of those things where you kind of just accept, like, hey, happy this existed. It's a stepping stone. We now have this instead, and you don't really need to visit that. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, moving forward, um, 
I think Xbox post this acquisition would own Tenchu, correct? I believe so. I believe so. Now Sekiro, they, it would just be the publishing rights, though. Exactly, because from software, after a lot of the messy licensing of previous games, they want to own their IP. So mm -hmm. I think that is pretty much a guaranteed term of their contracts moving forward. Is oh, yeah. We're going to own the IP. All right, we'll do this for you. We'll let you publish it, but we want to own the IP. So they won't own Sekiro, but they'll own Tenchu. And so it would be interesting if we lived in a world where there was new Sekiro games and new Tenchu, Tenchu games uh, simultaneously. And um, mm. it would be really interesting if From Software came back and partnered with Xbox on an actual new Tenchu proper. But who knows? Who knows? We still have to wait for that deal to go through. And with all of the latest developments, we might be talking about it for a while. So, yeah. Strap in. <laughs> a quick super chat from Nick W, who tipped, who tipped and said, High on Life is awesome. I completed it last night. Yeah, I've had a lot of people tell me, like, you need to play it. It's awesome. I was talking to some of my friends in a party chat last night, basically saying the same thing. I had a couple buddies who, like Rick and Morty, but were on the fence. And they said, I don't know, dude. I think it's going to be cringe, as the kids say. I think it's going to be cringe, bro. And I was like, it's actually pretty funny. Like, I've legitimately laughed a few times. So that's my, that's my recommendation so far. I will follow up once I've beat, beaten it and let you know if it, it's grading. But so far, it's been good. So, Sam, as we get towards the end of this show and as we get towards the end of this year... Um, I just want to, I guess, open it up to, I guess, I guess we can get a little more personal with it. This isn't necessarily video games related, but this uh -oh. is the second to the last video game show or the second to the last episode of Xbox Chatterdays for 2022. I think next week I'm going to try, depending on people's schedules to do like a fun holiday special. That'll <clears> just be silly fan interactions, goofy stuff. But before I do that, as we go into 2023, what have you been most grateful for in 2022? And what are your goals as we move into 2023? Most grateful. Most grateful. Uh, even though there are some asterisk marks and there have been some roller coasters and some things I haven't been happy about, I have gotten to work around some genuinely incredible people. I get to work with you. I've gotten to work with Jez. Obviously, Matt Matt Brown is no longer at Windows Central. Um, a few others like Jennifer Locke, uh, Carly, like uh, Brendan, who's still there. Zachary got recently hired full time. Awesome for them. I've gotten to work around some amazing people, and I've learned so much from all of them. And I am genuinely happy about that. It's sappy and silly to say, but I wouldn't be who I am without that. I wouldn't be the writer I am. I wouldn't be the journalist that I am now without that. And it has enabled me to do a lot. It's enabled me to be a lot more confident in my work. I put out some very interesting reports, that, uh, some exclusive stuff this year. There might still be one more thing coming before the end of the year, uh, depending on how certain things shake out. So I, I, I'm very thankful, in spite of everything, how my work personally has gone this year and the people I've gotten to learn from. Yeah, it's been... As Sorry. Uh, no, so, no, go ahead, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, yeah, uh, 2022 obviously has been, um, in the media space, it's been a wild year. It's been, uh, yeah. especially the last several months, have been very uncertain, very disruptive, very um, disheartening, if I'm being honest. Um, and there's been a lot of people reconsidering a lot of things and reconsidering how they've invested. And then um, 
for me, it's just been really wild to have people want to see me keep doing things. And so when I, you know, I've had this idea of doing a channel for a while and I've, you know, I've just written it off as like, will people show up? Will people care? Do people care about Miles or do people care about Miles from Windows Central? And right. so that's right. been my internal conflict and not to get too sappy or, you know, self-deprecating, but that's been the main reason I didn't do it. Because I was like, I don't know. I don't know if people really just see value in what, what I do. And so as you touch on the people, like this community, you, everyone I get to work with, a lot of the folks in the industry that I get to talk to regularly, a lot of the people who tune into the show, a lot of people who support the channel, like the people give me the, you know, will and strength to like do it and, and keep doing it and be excited about doing it when the rest of the world and all of the business side of things and all of the financial side of things, like that is just this crushing weight that deters you from wanting to do it. And so having the, the people and the human element lift everyone up and keep everyone going, like for me, that has been something I'm eternally grateful for because when I did this channel and had so many people excited and say, finally, you're doing it. I've, I've been waiting for you to do it. Like that was so huge for me. And, um, you know, it's kind of reinvigorated putting a little more, I guess, faith in myself and what I can do and what, what I bring to the table where, you know, I'm just, I'm just a very humble, chill guy. So I've never been one to, you know, toot my own horn horn. I've never been good at tooting my own horn. And so for people to toot it for me, if you will, it's, it's, it's been awesome. It's been really cool. Nice. That's awesome. I mean, I can, I can't speak for everyone, but I can definitely say I'm here right now because you're miles miles. <laughs> I like talking to and <laughs> talking crap about not, you know, just because I work with you, even though that's a great bonus. And then what are your goals? Right, Sam, we talked about 2022. Oh, we talked about what you're excited right. for, but going into 2023, what's the Sam Tolbert crush list? I would like, I've been, enjoy is a, a potent word. Uh, <laughs> I have appreciated my experience as a freelancer. I've, exp I've appreciated being a gun for hire in the media space. I would like to have a full-time job. Yeah, I think Double. yeah, I think stability is uh it's important. It's it's so important and a lot of people in the game space uh don't have that. You don't get it. It's, you know, it's contract work, it's freelance work. You you get a gig, you do it. Uh you want to take a you want to take a break. Guess what? You don't get paid for a week, two weeks, however much time you want off. You don't you don't get that. You don't get sick days. You don't get insurance. There's no stability for a lot of people in the space. And that is just the, as much as- You wanna talk about crunch. <laughs> as much as people love the work, love the industry, that's just, that's kind of the cold reality is that that comes at a cost of a lot, yeah. a lot of other things that other industries kind of just have naturally. Like that. And so, yeah, I, I am pulling for you. I'm pulling for a lot of us in the space because a lot of these companies don't want to pay full time. They don't want to pay insurance. Um, I've talked about this publicly, but Future won't hire anyone from the in Washington State. And I found out why that is. And that's because Washington State recommend basically if you're a salary position that doesn't offer overtime, you have to pay your employees a certain amount. And um, Future said no. Future said um no, we're not going to pay you more you more because you live in Washington State. And so that's just kind of the cold reality of, of the, the business side of things. So, yeah, full time. Um, I want that for you. I want that for everyone. Because really what bums me out the most when we, when we talk about this is that 
there are so many passionate people who just want to work and just want to make an okay, a mod. They're not, like no one in games media expects to make a ton of money. And if you do expect to make a ton of money, I would seriously reevaluate if that's a goal for you. Cause it's, for me, it's not about the money. And I transitioned from sales and marketing where it was all about the money, 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 money. And I was like, that's not me. That's not who I am. So I, you know, transitioned into this space knowing I would make a lot less, but then you have people who just can't, who leave the industry because they can't even get by. It's not even about like living comfortably. It's like they can't even get by doing it. And that's the stuff where I'm like, that just sucks. Like that is really hard to hear. So I guess for me, um, as I look towards 2023, um, I want to start the next chapter of, of, of my career in the games industry. I've been very grateful, very happy with what I've been doing. I'm stoked to have my own channel, stoked to continue building that and having an outlet to talk about video games in the capacity, in the way that I want to. Um, but yeah, I guess a goal for me would just be to start what comes next. And what that is, I'm not sure. I've talked to a lot of people behind the scenes about you know, where I could transition, where I could use my skills. And it's you know, about finding what makes me happy and finding out, you know, what, what works. And so those are conversations I've had throughout 2022 and look forward to continuing in 2023. Um, and I'm also looking forward to just playing a lot of video games in 2023. And I think that is also, uh, that's, you know, we use video games as a distraction and I think that's very important. And um, despite what's going on in the world and in the, the global economy, if you will, um, I look forward to being able to kick back and play some video games to kind of de-stress from some of that. Those are good goals. Those are good goals. I'm pulling for you, man. Um, and I guess that's it. I guess that's going to do it. I know, you know, we ended on you know, a little more real note on this episode of Xbox. You got to keep it but... real every now and again. Yeah. You got to have a bit of a reality check. It's important. You know, it's, it sounds corny and I post this on Twitter and I, it's like impossible for me not to sound like a, dork or a cornball but really like the people are why i'm here the people who want to talk about video games the people who watch this show the people who are online every single day talking about video games because it's something they love that's why i'm here that's that's why i'm doing this that's why i'm excited to do this is because that passion that enthusiasm is enthusiasm from so many people just cannot be faked it's it's one of the most real organic things that we have and it's I see video games as this this force that can bring people together in a way that very few things can. And so that's that's why I like talking about video games. That's why I'm here. And that's why I like to stress the the human element of all of this, like the people making games, the people talking about games, because um, as much as AI is marching forward to make us all uh, obsolete and um, to steal people's work, but uh, <laughs> it's important yeah. to remind all of us that, you know, we are the reasons that this is exciting and so yeah sorry for being cheesy but sam that is going to do it for this week's episode one more time for all the amazing people joining us live and watching after the fact where can they get a hold of you where can they hit you up yes you can find me on twitter and now hive now that's stable uh at samuel talbert yes come talk to me come yell at me come ask me questions always down for that and uh, you can find most of my written work over at Windows Central, also some other stuff across other sites like Inverse, Android Central. Uh, and who knows what the future holds? Who knows?
Exactly, exactly. So if you want to get a hold of me, I'm on Twitter as well, at Miles Dompierre. Also on Hive as well, at Miles Dompierre. Figure we should talk about that, you know, like you said, considering uh, everything that's going on. Love Twitter. I will be going down with the ship, chances are, unless there's wild yeah. changes. But, uh, yeah, that's been another stressor. With everything else going on in the world, Twitter imploding has just been another stressor for me. But that being said, Hive, it's been chill. It's been fun. If you're not on there, the vibe is a lot different. It's a lot more low-key. And it's 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 honestly been quite nice. So you can find me over there. Huge shout out to everyone who's subbed to the channel. Get who's gotten me over one thousand subscribers. And that's gonna do it for this week's episode. We will catch you all next week. Have an amazing weekend. Take care. See y'all.